about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. Great way to start. <laughs> Welcome to Worst Gig Ever. I'm your host, nah, hey, Jeff Garlock. There's no place we can go but down from here. I'm Mike Pace. Welcome to the show. You know what we do here. We talk to people who played in bands, comedy people, all sorts of artists about the worst shows they've ever had and all of the schlitz. All the schlitz. The schlitz that they have to go through to do what they love. This week... We have the talented, very talented, very talented, Anthony Roman, who you may recall from such bands as Radio 4 and before that, Garden Variety. Yep. He's also a music, music supervisor. supervisor and composer, and he's also from Long Island. Strong like Island. Yours truly. So we we talk about a lot of the nitty gritty about, I mean, Garden Variety were an amazing band and and maybe didn't necessarily get their due and right. but it was due, it was because of the time the early 90s and they were on the east coast and a lot of their like-minded brethren were on the west coast so we get into a lot of talk about kind of classic punk slash emo tours and the, things the like battles that battles between punk yes. and indie put them the punk just, and indie just crossing punk and indie like they're like we're columbia house <laughs> exactly. and we're, we're slotting these into genres <laughs> and then the 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 difference between garden variety and Radio 4, who, yep. who achieved uh, a lot of success, you might say. Yeah, and, and, and got and a to lot talk about the whole Brooklyn scene uh, yeah. in, the, you know, in the heyday of Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in this episode, and there's a, there's a lot to love and a lot to listen to. And we've got a lot to listen to in our old episodes as well. We do. There's almost, believe it or not, people, there are almost fifty of these episodes. We're almost, up. We're, reaching our, we're almost reaching our fiftieth anniversary. The fiftieth anniversary <laughs> of worst gig ever. You can listen to any of these episodes. They're all on iTunes. They're all on worst gig ever podcast.tumblr.com you can email us worstgigever at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're all over the net, people. We're all over the place, and especially if you go to iTunes, leave us some comments, leave us some uh, ratings. Let's get those ratings up there, people. Yeah. We know you're out there. Hey, you hey. know, everybody, you love, hey. To, you love, hey. A little bit of Long Island coming Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> hey. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that, oh, so that, that actually presages this episode, which is the wrong word to use. Uh, <laughs> we'll stick with it. But uh, one of the members of Garden Variety's uh, last name was Rizzo, and, and Anthony Roman refers to his bandmate Anthony Rizzo all the time. And I do a Ratso Rizzo impersonation very You're badly. Known for it. People come up to you on the street <laughs> and, and say, Can you please give me that? Uh, and that I say, Rizzo What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the episode. It's worst gig ever. You know what you're going to get. <laughs> oh. So get on getting it. Early on for Garden Friday, we got into this... Uh, thing where the, there was all these skinheads after us that wanted to <laughs> kill us and uh oh i was like to attack you i was like yeah. oh yeah you're headlining or they're headlining great yeah no <laughs> you're open for the foreskins great <laughs> no they, they they wanted to kill and uh what happened was we were i don't i don't know unfortunately in the beginning we always got lumped in with the hardcore scene because there was just lack of places to play on right. the island so and we were friendly with some of the people that were part of that and uh we played a show at this place called carol's place in island park and when we were done with our set some you know new york hardcore style like really tough guy band went on and we went outside and we were just hanging out talking and uh they thought we were laughing at them and pointing at them. Uh. <laughs> and what probably happened was probably was like, I left my amp on seat, you know, right. and like, it was, it was, yeah, it's over there, it's over there. You know, they were surprised because yeah. you were the only people enjoying yourself at the show. <laughs> right. 
Right. We weren't raging with anger yes. or anything. We we're laughing, smiling. <laughs> and that made me, you know, meant we were making fun of them. And we, which we weren't. We, one, we weren't paying attention. Two, we never would do that <laughs> because we would be afraid. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> So anyway, it got back to us like a couple of weeks later that we made, I'm not going to mention the band's name, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, we, mm-hmm. we made fun of that band. We're pointing at them and heck, and it was so absurd because why would three guys like us be <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> to these thugs? <laughs> and they had this like kind of guy, like, you know, some type of like roadie, I don't know what, you know, guy that hung out with them who was like a gigantic skinhead. And he, <laughs> In particular, wanted to kill us, uh-huh. and he started tormenting us every time we played a show on Long Island. Like, even if there was no hardcore bands on the bill, he would come to the show, stand right in front of us, and point it like, "You're dead, you're dead." And we're like, "This is crazy," you know. Let's have a lot of time on there. Yeah. So he started going around telling everybody that Garden Variety was a bunch of bedwetters. That was, his and we after we finished the song, he'd be like, "Bedwetter." We were totally like, why is this happening to us? You know? And then we played a show at a a place called Checkers, um, which was somewhere on the South Shore. I don't know. Do you remember that one? No, I think that's, I just remember before your time. I I just remember Checkers, the fast food restaurant also on on Long Island. That's probably before my time. Yeah. Um, I'd say 92, maybe. Um, so was checkers a venue or was, was it a like ven- a converted you know, venue? Converted. Yeah. There were no venues. Right. Yeah. Everything right. was except like, for Frank Cariola's Roxy Music Hall yeah, in Huntington. Yeah. Tacos, coffee shop. Right. You know, and they yeah. Just, you know, we in Connecticut, we played at Maxwell's, which was a bar that no one frequented and then a huge room in the back <laughs> nice. that was like, all right, we'll shove hardcore shows in there. Too. Right. Right. That's uh, Checkers was short lived, but we played there with this band called Scapegrace. Who, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You know, we were friendly with them, and they were they were more of that like kind of uh, you know they were hardcore, but they were they had, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were friends with them. And this guy came, but this time he came with stickers that said <laughs> "Garden Variety are bedwetters," and he put them all up all over the venue and passed them out to people as they were leaving. He's got time and money on his hands. <laughs> yeah. He's a resourceful skinhead. Yeah. Right. Like, so we were like, you know, we play a show, we think we did good, and then we walk around the venue, and there would just be <laughs> stickers <laughs> said about how we were bedwetters, and uh, and this is just like a weird thing, you know, like a weird phenomenon. So one, finally, we were like going to play at the Angle. And it was like really around town that they were going to get us at the angle. <laughs> and we were like, should we can't, like, we didn't know what to do. We can't cancel, but right. maybe we should cancel because we're, we're going to die. Right. <laughs> so, and we were, we were excited to play the angle and it was like, you know, kind of, um, we had the sense it was going to be a big show for right. us, or bigger show. Well, th- I, this venue also, I think, was probably before my time. Where was the angle? Mineola. Okay. Artie Philly booked it. Okay. Sure. First time Artie Philly booked us, which for some reason we thought was right. g- a good thing. <laughs> right. You know? Artie Philly of uh, Midtown fame? No, Millhouse. Millhouse, Millhouse. fame. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yes. I mean, it's Millhouse. like, well, Artie Philly's given us a yes. show. Awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. And I worked with him yeah. at Zoom Marketing. There you go. Yeah. Hey, he's, yeah. a, he's a man about town. He is a man about town. But he was, he was, uh, for, Worst for the driver I've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> for the <laughs> listener. Constantly. He drove us on tour. He drove Garden Road. For the listener. Drove, he always yeah. drive the frozen <laughs> trucks to pass out the stuff like silk. And constantly be just like banging off rear view mirrors and be like, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, for, yeah. for the listener, Artie Philly was what you would say integral to the Long Island hardcore punk scene in that yes. he booked show. He was very active. He booked yeah, shows. Yeah. And we were trying yeah. to convince him to, you know, book us. And he sure. Was, he was reluctant, I think, because we had melodies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you were bedwetters. <laughs> that, 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 that might have been the problem. Word had yeah, gotten yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't think of that. It, it so anyway, the show. He's gonna get for weeks leading up to the show. We're dead. We're gonna get killed. You know the whole thing. And uh, stickers. You know we have all these images in our mind. And we're driving there. And I was driving with Rizzo, and we're like, "This is it. Like we're like we're actually like we're gonna go to the show and die. Like you know, we're gonna be killed on stage or at. Like we had no idea what was gonna happen. And uh, and our seven inch had just come out too, uh-huh. so it was like this was all this. Is this the first your first? Yeah, so this yeah, is a big this deal. Is a, yeah, this is a big, but right. it, was, it was it was so conflicted, you know. <laughs> and it was mostly negative. Like sure. there was, we were like, this is gonna be, we're dead, you know. Like, and uh, we were terrified, and, and and everybody, just my wife, my wife who was my girlfriend, and she was everybody was so scared. Who was uh, who else was on the show? I don't remember. We played there three times. It might have been with Hell No and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
another, you know, ABC and Rio. Like right. we brought them as we'll get to that yeah. stuff later. Um, <laughs> we brought them there, but so we went and played the show and we were in the venue and we can't find that, you know, we're looking, is he here? You know, and we can't find him. And anything. <laughs> Finally, we had to go on and we're like, he's going to get us <laughs> on, you know, and we're on. And, uh, we played and he wasn't there, you know, and, and it just like, it just went, it went away. Uh-huh. He, he, he went to jail. Oh, <laughs> for so, the and, and he never yeah. came, he never came back. But you found out after the fact yeah. that then yeah, he but we just, we jail. just thought like he couldn't make the show because you right. had to make more stickers. Sure. Or, you know, his closing and <laughs> yeah. like, it's yeah. kind of rush. And that, to do here. and that was it. And that, that was like, uh, you never saw him again. Never saw him again. I mean, yeah. God bless yeah. the U.S. legal system. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but I was trying to think of like, what was the, because everybody has played bad show. Like sure, they're yeah. all kind of similar, but this was like the weirdest thing that ever happened to, to us or to me because sure. it was something that we were like, didn't do, had no connection to, didn't understand. Yeah. We didn't really right. understand New York hardcore that well. We, yeah. We didn't even know what like skinheads were. Right. Like, we're like, how is this happening to us? You sure. Know, the stickers, bedwetter. Like it was just a very, <laughs> it, it was, and it was ongoing. Yeah. You know, how old like, were you at this point? Probably 19. Yeah. So this, this is kind of a, uh, that's a perfect segue into the, uh, the type of band that Garden Variety was for where you guys came from. And I think, uh, for the listener, Anthony and myself are both from Long Island. Um, and we're both involved in Long Island hardcore and punk scenes at different, well, I mean, it was overlapping, but I definitely saw Garden Variety play and you guys occupied a place with kind of very, few other bands that were doing what you guys were doing which was you know this really innovative melodic and uh, you know i would i would use the word uh you know emo before it kind of got the negative connotations yeah when you think of early 90s yeah uh and you know more revolution summer exactly exactly so i i'm just kind of curious about Growing up, and you guys came from where Valley Stream, yeah, right. So you're like in the shadow of JFK, yeah. And <laughs> My father worked at JFK, that is. yeah. That's he why we were there, yeah. So maybe you can talk about like what was going on on Long Island in like late '80s, early '90s when you're getting into this stuff. Uh, well, that, see, that, that's what <laughs> that's what's so fascinating is that like from my recollections, you had kind of tough guy bands like Neglect and stuff, and Remember that band, the Berserkers? Yeah, that I was do. One, I do. That was a, that was an early seventies. We're, we're getting really close yeah. to the to the band we made fun of. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't hit them yet. Yeah. So, so, but you guys are approaching it from a, a different angle, and I'm just curious, like, where are you finding out about stuff at this age in this era, kind of pre-Nirvana? Like, yeah, what's what's going on at this yeah. time for you? Uh, well, I mean. I, well, it's, I mean, it's it's very long, and but re- the reason I got into that whatever different kind of music was because my uncle was a, a song singer, you know, songwriter, band member, and he was in a band called Mr. Flood's Party, mm-hmm. which put out a very uh, weird psychedelic record in the late '60s on the mm-hmm. Cotillion label, mm-hmm. which was like an Atlantic like, <laughs> weird <listening>. label, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Velvet Underground was also on that yeah. label, and mm-hmm. um, so. And he lived in my house. And then in the 70s, he started going to Max's Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And he got a little bit involved with the punk scene. And, you know, he was friends with. So he would bring people like Wayne Kramer to my house or wow. Nick Rock or just like unusual kind yeah. of like somewhat celebrities. So, and they were always listening to, you know, different kinds of music. He lived downstairs, but it was, I was going down there. So he was kind of the person that exposed me to different music and i was young 10 9, right you know um they were really into like rock pile was like their yeah, you know, yeah dave uh-huh. emmons nick low they were like yeah. really into rock pile you know wh- who are a great band mm-hmm. and giant thunders and you know he took me to see the stray cats and I, that whole thing was going on and then lir and then like i kind of just drifted like you know made my own way through right and i was out i got really into like the clash and uh the jam all the british stuff and then I was out in Fire Island with my uncle. His friend was there, and he's like, "What band do you like?" And I was like, 14. And I was like, "I like the Clash. I like the Jam. I like the Cure. I like, you know, everything was British." And he's like, "Well, do you like the Replacements?" And I was like, "No." You know, I read about them, but I'm like, they're American. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't right. like them. You know, right. they're no good. Yes. Um, but the he's rules like, of youth. If you're right, if you like the Clash, you probably would like the Replacements. So I went home and I 
rode my bike to Slip Disc Records, and mm-hmm. and I bought Tim, and that was kind of that was it, you know, <laughs> yeah. for better, you know, if I ever right. meet Paul Westerberg, I'll say thanks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for that, lot. yeah, um, but that was it, yeah, and then just kind of dug deeper, and and I would say out of that, you know. All the twin tone stuff, mm-hmm. then the homestead stuff was like super yep. important. Mm-hmm. Welling Ultimate comp and yep. you know just everything that was on yeah. there, and then SST and all you know, all, a bunch of bands who got really bad that were really good, like yes. Lemonheads, Buffalo Tom, Soul Sound, all made like two really great yeah. records, right. and then just yeah, exactly. you know, and <laughs> I was you know we were into those records, sure, and then we you know we were like me and Rizzo were just into that. He lived next door to me, uh-huh. and. uh we started playing music together and we were like, we want to make a band that sounds like these bands. And yeah. We put out an ad in Island Ear. Okay. Yeah. And listing those bands, Squirrel Bait and, you know, um, Skunk and, and Replacements <laughs> and Husker Do. And, and then we found a drummer and we started playing shows and we quickly got, we played a show at Queens College. We did like a Mud Honey cover, a Buffalo Tom cover, Husker Do cover, and then like five originals or something. Mm-hmm. We played a show at Queens College and a bunch of guys from ABC No Rio came there for, I, I don't know, they knew someone that was playing and they were like, why don't you, we're, we're booking shows at ABC No Rio, why don't you play with Screeching Weasel in a, you know, in a couple of weeks? And we're like, okay. Like, right. We didn't know, like, I'd been in Rio like two times with yeah. some friends and right. I didn't know exactly what was going on there, but I liked it there. And, uh, we quickly got like kind of embraced by that, those uh-huh. guys who were like, Definitely making music that we weren't interested in. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like we were kind of interested in what they stood for and what and what they were about. And we felt like the indie scene in like New York, we didn't we didn't really like like the, what was like, going on? I mean I early nineties was yeah. I, I, things I were starting to switch and it, like Super Chunk was like it, yeah. it felt like a lot of like uh Columbia, you know, like like very like upper class, like kind of like sure, people yeah. slumming right. it a little bit. Yeah. Right. And, we, and pavement and things like, you know, we liked it, but we felt it was also like we know how to do the Sunday crossword puzzle, and we're very <laughs> essentially college rock. Yeah, yeah, we were like, we don't like that. You know, yeah. that's like not. You know, later we we understood it, but yeah. we were very like scruffy and you know flannel shirts and and the whole you know dinosaur junior yeah place. like so just like alienated you know punk influenced right. heavy rock yeah. music. You were yeah. in between because yeah. it sounds like yeah, it's like you were like you know you, you got along with ABC Rio no real crowd yeah. and like that vibe. Yeah. But that musically, it might not have but been that, not at exactly. All, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that's also because yeah. there wasn't, you know, any kind of quote unquote indie rock scene going on at all, especially on Long Island. So, right. what are New your York, options? New York wasn't of, cool either. Yeah. Right. New York didn't get cool for ten years. After yeah, that, right. You know, so, so your only option is to play kind of at the level you guys are at, is in like punk and hardcore yeah. circles. Yeah. So, but you know, on in the city, it worked. When we played ABC in Rio and mm-hmm. stuff like that, everything worked fine. But like on Long Island, we would get thrown into, in Jersey, like we would get thrown on bills that just were, right. We did not belong. We yeah. didn't, we didn't understand what was going on. We didn't know why we were there. We were like miserable. We wanted to smoke. We didn't know where we could go <laughs> right. smoke. People looking at us like we were smoking or drinking or any of the things we wanted to be in a band to do. Right. Sure. You know, yeah. We weren't allowed to do. Yeah. So we're like, this is not working. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, yeah, if you have the replacements as yeah. your like mindset, yeah, yeah. trying to do it. Like middle yeah, sex, college, with, you know, straight edge. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. got shorts on and no shirts, yeah. and they're on stage right. barefoot, and we're like, we don't understand <laughs> right. this at all. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of the music that Garden Variety made was definitely on the heavier end of the spectrum. Like there were, you know, you could see how it could go over with a hardcore crowd at the time. Well, things. I, at the time, you know, it's like, I think other people had similar ideas to us that were kind of like grabbing and, you know, Fugazi is probably the first mm-hmm. one to kind of do that in a, in a way that I thought made yeah. sense. And then quickly there was like, you know, Drawbox and Drawbreaker mm-hmm. and Drive Like Jehu. And we just like mm-hmm. kind of fit right into that. Except that, that you guys were on the East Coast in, in like the tri oh, we were area. near them, but and I mean, was, right, musically yeah. that was what yes. we understood. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jawbreaker in particular. Was yeah. Like, I remember getting... Jawbreaker did a Crucial Chaos NYU session, mm-hmm. and my friend called me, and he's like, I taped this band. You're going to love them. <laughs> and, like, I got the tape. I still have it. And uh, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just loved it. And, uh, yeah, so there was more of those bands. They weren't on Long Island, but there was there was more of them. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, from my personal experience, I remember, I think the, the – I don't know if it was the one and only time that I saw Gardenberry play, but it was at the Wetlands with opening for a veil yeah. with, I believe – um, uh, bad trip. Yeah. Too. And 
being I was probably 15, mm-hmm. maybe 16 at the time. And because it wasn't like fat record style, yeah. you know, pop punk or it wasn't chunky metalcore and it, you had to kind of think about it. Yeah. It didn't connect with me at the time. Yeah. Sure. And, it, and, and it wasn't until I think when I was in college and I revisited the records and I was like, because I, I did love like Drive Like Jehu because they had the Rocket from the Crypt yeah, connection, yeah, yeah. which was an easier gateway to get into yeah, it. Yeah. And then when I revisited the Garden Variety records, um, when, when Oxford Collapse was starting with Dan, the drummer, um, and we're like, oh, we get it now. Yeah. Like, cause we, how did, how do these guys write this? Like, like, you have to think about this. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's catchy. It's melodic. Like, well, there are also, cool parts, but you can't, it's not easily digestible. And at that, that time listen. period for you, though, and it was the same for me. Like, you know, you're at that age where it's like you, you've, you've kind of started to figure out who you are. Right. So then you're very adamant about it. And it depends on your location too. Like I was in Connecticut. Like mm. no matter what, I like metal anyways, but also I was surrounded by like mosh core, like nothing but. Yeah. So then if I see a show with like garden variety, like I think I might have seen you guys once at the tune in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like it probably didn't make sense because also I was 17. Yeah. Like, and I decided this is my thing now. Like, but like that, you know, in, in being open, your window, your. Yeah kind of reference points very small and you i make it small yeah because like, i was like i don't listen to anything but hardcore now yeah because that's how we all go through that yeah. role you get you get to whatever you figured out and you and know. it's it's also and then when you get to college all of a sudden you're like oh wait a second yeah. now i start right, right. learning it's, about others. it's also the cult of instant gratification that like if i can't get this in 10 seconds right and like be able time. to yeah 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 i mean yeah i feel like we're up against a lot of that mm-hmm. um but again like i think that there were places where we were accepted very mm-hmm. quick. Like there were places where we were accepted much quicker than we expected to be, yeah. and then there were places where we were like, why can't this work out? Did you, you find know? that on Long Island? It was well, more it was of a problematic. Former? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, the latter. Yeah, <laughs> and we wanted to leave, and we were mean about it, and then uh-huh. you know, then we got this reputation of being like, we think who we are because uh-huh. we were very, we were just tired of it. Right. You know, it was like. We're playing shows. We felt like no one cared. And, you know, we would go play brownies. At the, once we got, like, to play, like, where we could play at night. Right. You know, because everything was during the <laughs> right. We were like, oh, we could play at, like, <laughs> right. 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, we didn't turn back after that. Right. Yeah, that was, that Two was o'clock like, on a Sunday, yeah, didn't seem like, so. And, and, yeah. and you guys also started touring pretty consistently. Yeah, like, and then we met, we met country. a lot of like-minded people. Uh, that, that was the thing. We, once we, you know, playing at night and mm-hmm. realizing there was other, like, well, our first tour, we played with, like, you know, Angel Hair and Click Italian Catali mm-hmm. and Unwound mm-hmm. and, you know, multiple shows with Unwound. Like, we we started to feel like... And that totally we, makes sense yeah, in retrospect. Yeah, we got, you know, we, we felt, like, at home. So... Because well, also at the time, this, this is pre-internet, really. Like, so this is, like, there are oh, scenes. Pre, yeah. yeah. Way pre. Like, it's so this all, is, It's like, regional. At this I didn't even... Have, yeah, so it's just, like, it, yes, it's very regional. It's, like, and at the time, you could separate, and, like, it was it was... Mind-blowing that there were other types of music scenes. Yeah. I remember, like, Heroin played at, like, a place in Franklin Square, Outer Limits or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they were, like, we, you know, they called us because we yeah. were the only maybe <laughs> yeah. you know, that we played with them. And they were just, like, they blew people's minds. Like, no one, no one knew what they were doing at all. Right. Like, you know, they were falling on the floor and it was, like, very artsy and, like, weird and, but still hardcore and, like, Long Island was like just like what is this you know yeah right because it had you know nothing out there had any kind of like uh you know that that scene was like also theatrical and stuff like it had like had like this kind of like you know falling and like yeah the West Coast GSL yeah yeah GSL thing and there was none of that on Long Island it was very like you can't do that you know and yeah yeah and uh, people made fun of it but it it actually got popular on Long Island yeah after after the fact but at the time it was really kind of. Uh, it's kind of weird, no man's I land Antioch of like. I would have gone over well the two Well, because I can tell yeah, that right now yeah, they would have been killed. Yes, that, that, that was know, an that, east. That was more of an east coast. Would have taken them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They might not have yeah. the problems with skinheads printing stickers for them in Colorado. Yeah. Right, right. That, but that you, Nassau County is yeah. yeah. Um. So, so what's what's the mindset on like that first tour when you're going out again, like pre-internet culture, and you're meeting these bands and like. The promise of the West is out yeah, there. And we well, I mention that every every show, by the way. The promise of the West. Promise when you grow West. up, like in a place yeah. like Long Island, then you head out west. It's I the sky's it. the limit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I uh, yeah, the West Coast was was good to us. We we were 
again, this is that thing. Like we're, we met people like Jay Church and stuff and, and, you know, on like we got on shows that where things made sense. Yeah. Right. So we're like, Oh, this is, this is possible. So, and we did a week with Angel Hair who were, kind of buzzing at that point yeah, and yeah. just like it was just yeah it was much easier so it, it what, what it sounds like we wanted like, to go back we were like, yeah you know, sure let's go because and jay church was like lance han like was really somebody who knew a ton of people mm-hmm. and really liked garden variety and just kind of like got you know got us things like we if we were stuck we could call him it, and, it sounded like you were able to 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 fit in fairly quickly the farther you got yeah, from a home. Unfortunately, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> were there, do you, do you remember any any shows on the first show where it was just like, you guys, no one else, middle of nowhere, no one's, like, you know, you're playing yeah. in... Evansville. The, the yeah, terrible, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just a and lot of those. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, always like, you know, and then they invite you to sleep at the house, and then they're whispering <laughs> about you. They got to go. They got to go. And they're like, like, why, why do we got to go? Why did you tell us to cut? You know, like right. a lot of that, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, gross circle. Like, but it was, uh, we, I guess we expected it. I always found the worst shows to be for me or were when you play in a city and do really well mm-hmm. and you go back, like you do like 400 people and then you go back and there's like 40. Yeah. Those oh, are yeah. like, right. Those yeah. are worst gigs ever. Yeah. That's yeah. like so mentally, like we're like, like I, what happened? We saw, we've talked about before, but I remember Panthers did a glory tour where we decided we we're going to fly to the West coast and only hit the places we know right. where people were, it, the shows were great last time. Yeah. Every single one was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> every single, because it was like a, just a, every night was that. Uh, scenario of yeah. just like well, I don't know what happened last time what it was happened? great yeah what happened uh, it was such a the antithesis of the glory <laughs> yeah. yeah came yeah. back crying um, so another thing about I think those records is, is that the Garden Variety records uh, the, the, the wait two- so you were in Panthers yeah with yeah. Justin and yep. okay yeah yeah all comes all right. full that's circle? why you look familiar yes. yeah all right yes. how can you forget this face yeah <laughs> I had bigger hair <laughs> do you still hang out with those guys. Yeah, we okay. had we had Justin on a couple weeks ago. Oh, all right, yep. good. Yeah, um, yeah. What I was gonna say is that the the two full lengths, especially um, knocking the skill level, sounds great, and it's still it, it as opposed to a lot of stuff in that vein of the time period where like maybe the recordings don't yeah. necessarily hold up as well as a document. Because then you record that second one with Mark Trombino. Yeah, well, or- Trombino mixed it. Okay. Which is why I think it sounds because those. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think those records really, especially that one. It, it, for that type of music from that time period, yeah. sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think that that was the thing. I mean, that's kind of why Garden Ready, I think, broke up was because it was like we we were like in a scene where it became like you weren't supposed to get popular or something. Yeah, like, like if you became popular, you were like it wasn't cool and. And I felt like we had like worked ourselves into like a, a a corner, like sonically and like you know ethically, like we like that. I didn't see how we could get out of. Mm-hmm. And I was like one of the things with Radio Four was like I I wanted to be, you know, play anywhere and be as popular as as we can. You know, obviously right. you want to stay true to yourself, but right, it, like yeah, we wanted to make records that sounded good, and and we felt like Trombino. But we signed a cargo too. So yeah. the first record was made for like fifteen hundred dollars on Gurren Blance, and that mm-hmm. record was more like probably you know ten or something, mm-hmm. which was like an enormous amount of money. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he he mixed like Jimmy Eat World and Drive Like yeah. Jehu, and he knew how to mix a record. Yeah. So, and I think that was. And that's also another ca- cargo being what San Diego based or West. Yeah, that's what I mean, we got. So Headhunter was at San Diego. That's that's where we fit in. So yeah, yeah. so you definitely had that. Yeah. You were you were kind of the odd man out, being especially like. And you guys are still living on Long Island, at, like throughout yeah, the Garden Variety. Time. No, I was living in Jersey City at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was drifting. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I could so, now looking well, back. Like trying yeah. to hold its claws in. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, this um, ain't working. So, uh, also, so you say you signed to, for for the listener cargo head headhunter was mm-hmm. a fairly large indie label. In the indie way, I would say that going from Gurdon Blanston to Cargo, that's a big yeah. that's a big jump. Yeah, uh, at the time, yeah. was there? And this is happening. You guys seem to be happening really. Actually, I guess the records come out after Nirvana breaks big and and kind of opens the floodgates to a lot of people my age yeah. for like underground did i mean did you feel that was there any effect of that on garden variety at all at all or, or i don't dealing? think so i mean we didn't like you know that record sounded so slick and so like mm-hmm. yeah. you know still like, does so like yeah it's like a pop record you know yeah um 
But bleach to never bite is a pretty big jump. Yeah, yeah like, is, in retrospect, yeah, like I didn't yeah. think about it as a. As oh, a it's kid. huge. We did. It's yeah. We it's like, just so yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, goes from the Melvins to pop. Yeah, yeah. So and then I I don't know. I don't I don't feel the only thing that happened was like a lot of people we knew got signed and we mm-hmm. thought it was like weird because they weren't like they were like less popular than us. Right. Beyond like did you DGC. notice any sniffing around? Like of just yeah, like, a little of, bit. Like a little bit. Like, wow. but we we weren't. I don't think we were like. We everything was too long and yeah. there's too many mm-hmm. parts and stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah, we had some friends like one in particular that were like open for us all the time and, mm-hmm. and just like signed to DGC and like had money and we're like, how is this possible? <laughs> like, you're not, no one knows who you are. But there was that thing where everybody's looking for all this like. Was that band Saint Johnny by any chance? No. <laughs> Do you remember Saint Johnny? I just needed. Yeah. They were like they were a DGC like bargain yeah. bin. Yeah, know, they were a dollar. alternative casualty. Yeah. Skip loader. Was the I big I my um uh high school Syosset High School had a radio station WKWZ eight eight point five so and it was a co- essentially a college station run by <laughs> high school kids I was the Ayatollah of rock and roll at the, <laughs> so from ninety three to ninety seven you know I always did a radio show yeah so you I can't remember if you guys were in heavy rotation at some point I'm yeah. sure I probably brought some stuff in yeah uh, or at least from the um uh the lookout compilation yeah so you're uh, represent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so so garden variety kind of comes to an end. And when's that around? Ninety ninety six. Okay, end of ninety six, yeah. summer maybe or so. Yeah, it started just like I don't know, whatever. It's <laughs> like so you're getting terrible, you know. Uh huh. And uh, wait, you wait, you think the band got terrible or just a situation? No, I mean, the situation got yeah. terrible, where it's just like diminishing kind of returns, and and I didn't see. I wanted to go like into the you know into a direction I thought was more just, you know, what you were saying before, maybe something that you hear and you could instantly kind of connect with. And like Rizzo was like, I don't want to play chords. Play guitar I don't want to play. Yeah. Rizzo's right. a guitar player. He was like, he's going the other way. You mm-hmm. know, he was like into, it's like, Hey, I'm playing here. <laughs> this is my Ratso Rizzo. <laughs> Ro- Ro- <laughs> <laughs> like a Rodan and you yeah. know it, sure, it was yeah. going further you know? yeah and uh, Slynn, Rachel's and like, yeah. things like that that was you know just stuff that kind of led to the nadir of indie rock some right. might say by like ninety nine two thousand yeah. where like any fun was sucked out of yeah. it and it became a an academic I remember going June to forty four I remember right. going to see Tortoise in college and I you know Tortoise did what they did very well but it was like being in a cl- it was being like being in a class sure. well yeah that was not, that like, was the big problem yeah. for me. And, it, it, you know, I started to see that, and then it got really – Right. Know, then, I, then I didn't go to shows for, like, two years yeah. because it, because of that library-like yeah. atmosphere where – became you know, very we, serious all of a sudden. Yeah, we got shushed at a codeine show. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, just talk – like, you know, talking. We're <laughs> even talking loud. Right. You know, talking. <laughs> it's, not, it's not exactly the same bit, but I remember going to see Godspeed You Black Emperor. And they tried to make everyone sit down. Yeah. And it was at the old knitting factory. Yeah. And it, I might have been the only person who's like, we got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and every, you watch everyone get down, cross their legs. This is like, this is what I mean. I'm getting like, and then mad slowly, right now. <laughs> and then slowly it. just start to get up because everyone, yeah. I was just seeing this like, my, I, my legs are killing me. Yeah. It's so tight yeah. in here. Yeah. This isn't comfortable. Yeah. And like one person stood up. I was like, yep, let's do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, my, I didn't want to be here anymore. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. but I think that's, that's, that's a good segue into, into Radio 4, which, and I mean, it seemed like you addressed it, but the, the differences between the two bands are, you know, they're, they're, I think kind of polar opposites in terms of what you were going for sonically and, and, and all that. So it seems like it was a re- radio for kind of was a reaction to, it was to, a reaction to state of Indie rock in, yeah. in, in, in the late and more of a concentration on rhythm and having people have a good time yeah, than like phys- trying to make a statement out of phys- you know, chord progression. physicality back into yeah. music was, <laughs> the, was the main idea. Yeah. And, uh, we felt like, you know, Brownies, which is owned by, like, was owned by a good friend of mine who managed radio. that place in particular. Like, I was just going, I would go there because he was my friend and, you know, it was before Justin and those guys mm-hmm. worked there. Um, Mike Studo. And, yep. you know, I would go there and it would just be so boring. Everything was so boring. And, and this, like, kind of, I don't know, just, just very smart. And I, a lot, like, a lot of irony too. Like, everything was like, no one was saying anything f- for real. It was like right. very, like, Oh, we're so clever and we're so yeah. like back. Like, I don't, you know, things like that that were like 
all those records sound, there was a bunch of records that sounded like Beck that were all, everybody's using uh-huh. the same producer. Uh-huh. Everybody's being like super clever. And Damn I'm you, Dust like, Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> not, not my vibe at all. And yeah. I might not be exact. To... That's how I felt when seeing Don Cab. Like, I was always just like, can we just like, not be no disrespect to Eric Topolsky, Eric friend Adam, of the yeah, show. Don't say that. Yeah, it's just what. Uh, this, but this, no, I, I agree. Mean, this is I watching agree. it like it was. It was mostly Damon. Like, yeah. Like, and but watching him, like, yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, they're all nice guys. Well, like, they, uh, Ian's a great guy, but watching Don Cab at the time was just like exhausting to me yeah, mentally. Like, tiring. even as a guy who is nothing but like kind of a pain in the ass and cynical, I was just like, take something seriously, yeah. there, because you're all really good. But that that goes. I mean, they were called math rock for a reason, right. and I think you can trace that era of the popularity of those type of bands, specifically with this period of time yeah. that we're talking about, where it became about. Almost, it's weird. It's almost taking that like that extreme that you find in hardcore, where like I'm gonna become Krishna or mm-hmm. all this, you know, taking yeah, it to right. a lot. It's like I'm gonna try to find the most like unfun, yeah. no jawbreaker right. pun intended, like way to absorb music yeah. that's devoid not, of any kind not of fun parts of Prague. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's just like the time signature without any of the yeah. good and it's, riffs. And it's, and, yeah. and, like at a certain yeah. point where it's just like, ah, I get it. Like, and and so it's soulless and it's trying to convince yourself that you can listen to these free jazz records. Yes. And like <laughs> more so than you actually want to. Yeah. Got a lot of Ornette Coleman and I don't ever want to put it on. <laughs> but I mean, I also was like bothered by the things that were kind of popular too. Like I, the... um and even things that I think are good, like mm-hmm. I do think Pavement is good or Sebado is good mm-hmm. or Elliot Smith is good or, or, but it was all very like, I don't know. It just, it, the, the spark that got me into music, mm-hmm. none of those bands yeah. had. Right. And they, everybody seemed like a little bit lazy and a little bit like depressed and a little bit like privileged. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I just was like, I want to go back to, you know, yeah. something that has some kind of, physical thing and i can and you know maybe talking about something that has some social concerns not mm-hmm. about like you know what's uh, you know whatever people were like just nothing people yeah we're talking about nothing and that was the idea so. uh, and i mean was that also your personal taste and what you were listening to started going back to that kind of early 80s british well i went further back right after garden Friday, i went i went i did a weird very weird move where my uncle, who we were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. he was like a rockabilly singer, and me and Rizzo were like, "Let's do a rockabilly band with you." Mm-hmm. And he was like in his fifties, and we were in our mid twenties, uh-huh. and uh, we played a bunch of shows together, and just kind of it was like the drummer from Mick Deville, him, <laughs> and then us two, and uh, <laughs> we did like shows on Fire Island and in the city and stuff. And so I went like really into like roots rock and like right. kind of like rockabilly and jump blues and like yeah. early R and B. And then started like working my way through the, all the stuff from the generations that I thought like Got kept it, yeah. that spirit going, but you know maybe did something different. And kind of ironic because Long Island actually has a fairly large rockabilly scene. Yeah, with tons correct. of show. I was like friends with Robert Gordon and you know people like that were like kind of bigger rockabilly. So we played uh-huh. like shows that were crowded and right. Yeah, and people were. I mean, it was extreme in another way, but people were there just to have fun. Yeah, and I was like, well, okay, this is. Let's try and get some of this back. And it was totally different from what you had been doing before. Yeah, it's just a relief. Anyway. It was a relief, yeah. Um, so, uh, so Radio 4 comes together and it kind of hits, you know, within the zeitgeist of what's going on in New York at the time. Yeah. Um, in terms of their well, we did, Yeah, we, we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, uh, none of us did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but so we didn't wait too many articles about it. Yeah. We didn't even know there were other. I remember like, you know, my friend Josh was like, Oh, you should go see this band. You'd like them. And, and it was, uh, it was a rapture. You know? mm-hmm. And I went to ABC No Rio and, and I saw them. I was like 11, you know, made Cherno yep. and like, you know, a couple of your friends, yep. you know, and like four other people. Yeah. Uh, Adam Patterson and, and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, what a great band. What a, you know, and then like a, a month or two later, like another guy was like, Oh, you should go see this band or, you know, you like them there. And it was, I went to Mercury Lounge. It was Interpol, you know, yeah. like, it was all like, like-minded people had the same idea, but no one knew about each other. Yeah. And it was just, and all of them were just as frustrated as I was with everything. They all, we all formed for the same reasons. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, and, and that was like, yeah, quickly snowballed to, sure. into, into something. Do you, I mean, that's one of those actually, it's, I mean, yeah, in my brain, it, what, what, what's, what, in retrospect, now that years have passed, uh, what what is your feeling on that whole the Brooklyn scene essentially? Because I, I in in my brain I always had it as you know uh, Panthers and Radio Four kind of the same deal where it's like we would both get kind of like 
lumped in with all of these yeah. like big broad mm. articles yeah like i've got piles of them yeah. sitting in my house of just like yeah. random no, we were, articles yeah. we were and the they same never really program. yeah oxford too and they never made sense exactly yeah. like and, and it, it was one of those things for me at least like it was like oh yeah this is how the kind of semi bullshit aspect of like this big blow up happened in this area where really it's just kind of like eh, it just happened that a bunch of people like were semi like-minded yeah uh i mean I don't know. I think like, well, particularly overseas, it was like very like we we were able to do well really quickly. Which mm-hmm. so I and I think that was directly a result mm-hmm. of that. So I felt like it was good to be, uh, you know, you don't you go up with the scene, you go down. That's the yeah. problem, you know. I mean, but uh, for us, it was it was nice to to like have this automatic. All right, the enemy is going to review your single. And, you know, you get single of the week, and then you start playing to like a lot more people than you're playing to at home. Right. So there was like a nice. Uh, evolution yeah. that i felt like yeah i don't know i don't know what other scenes like how big or small they are yeah so when they get written about so it's hard to tell yeah, but I, I mean i always personally felt that you know it, because new york was really large large even then and there were so many bands doing and you know it was very i always thought it was very competitive and like mm-hmm. you eventually found your friends and sure but yeah. i mean i think it was dispelled long ago this myth of like everybody hanging out for brunch on sunday <laughs> right. like there was never was any never kind of that. like uh you know, uh, uh, camaraderie, I feel, on that level. Because it was too big. It's too, yeah. it's too spread out. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, I'll say, though, on the opposite end, I feel like Panthers had that three-week tour in UK. Oof. Just the UK. <laughs> and it was partly because we got sucked over in the, like, guy who booked the yeah, yeah, yeahs was like, I'm going to book another Brooklyn band. Right. And then booked the worst tour <laughs> we've oh, ever done tour? Yeah. for three weeks yeah. okay. at Stringfellow from the agency. Yeah, he was <laughs> our booking. Yeah. yeah. He uh, sucked us over and yeah. then we never heard from him while we were there and it was the worst tour ever. Oh, yeah. uh, all right. Sorry. But it was a nightmare tour. But so it sounds like you had the opposite experience where and Garden Variety never went never went overseas. no and that was one of the last things where i was like really like adamant even before this thing started i was like radio 4 is going to go to europe that's yeah. like, that was the big goal and then uh we were able to go there in a mu- in a much better way than i yeah. ever expected so so, yeah. so all of a sudden you're playing these larger shows and there are people there and, and you're getting this reception that maybe you didn't you you weren't used to yeah you hadn't had before no like we, we could do like an irving size in in, in mm-hmm. london and, yeah and you know I guess we were doing Bowery here. So, I mean, it's like, you know, double, like it felt, but we were doing that in almost every city over, over yeah, there. So right. Like every big city. So it was. And it was also, it was some it was guys fun. from Garden Variety and then guys from Sleeposaurus, too, yeah. also one of the great unsung yeah. Long Island pop punk bands whose record I, I believe still holds up in terms of like. Valley Stream also. Va- yeah, yeah. Va- Valley. What was in the what, what was in the stream in Valley Stream? <laughs> I mean, it goes Ooh. deeper than that. You know, Spread Armisen and and Steve that, Buscemi. Uh, yeah, and, uh, there's uh, you know, there's some cool people there. Syosset only um, got Natalie Portman. What can I? What can I? You're from Seacliff? No, Syosset. Oh, I thought you were from Seacliff. Home, home. No, Greg Collins is. Father is your principal. Uh, the, right? uh, Greg Collins, the drummer of Radio Four and yeah. Sleeposaurus, his his uh, father was the vice principal of my high school. Really, Mr. Collins, and he was amazing. He was great because a buddy of mine was wearing a Sleeposaurus shirt in like you know junior year, or whatever. Oh, was, and he was a Vietnam vet. Yeah, and he had actually he was missing He's his missing two fingers, his yeah. two his his yeah. two uh, you know his his. What is this finger? His curse finger yes. and his ring middle finger. finger. Middle his middle finger. A is the curse finger. So he for the listener, he always had the perpetual kind of devil sign <laughs> on one lot. hand. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah. And he was like he, he was totally in on it and I you know, hey, that's my son's band. Yeah. And then like he was totally cool with us for like yeah. the rest of high school. He was awesome. So that's why you yeah. had the radio station. No, though like, this was way he was way, I was way before uh, Right. Uh, Mr. Collins became uh, vice president. Mr. Collins' episode's going out to you. <laughs> Much respect. Uh, so you had a lot of these guys that you had been friends with who had pl- also played in kind of underground bands, yeah. kind of all partaking in this, like, yeah. there must have been some validation there that for all the years you had put in previously. It just felt like, yeah, it was, I mean, I look back, that was a period, you know, that's like a really nice period of time. Like, I have nothing but nice memories yeah. of that time. And, like, I felt like uh, for whatever, you know, people can be like negative or there's a backstabbing and I, I just thought it was like it was very pleasant you know and I, I thought there was music like the kind of idea of, of mixing like whatever punk and what we were doing and with you know more danceable stuff and just like I felt like there was something new happening and, mm-hmm. and I, I 
I think it's just like a good period in time. And I think some of the bands got really big, like obviously LCD and AAS. And, 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 you know, it it had those, you know, there's, there's bands with careers that came out of it, Mm -hmm. long careers. And I I think it's got validity to it. And I think it'll be looked at for, it's easy to shrug it off now because it just, you know, we're too close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll, it'll be, it'll set some legs. I mean, with all those fun, like what would constitute a, a, a worst gig for Radio 4? Well, this, that thing where we would go back to places and again, you know, we did that. We had yeah. some of that, especially in, in, in places where you like Germany or UK or something where in certain cities you're like flavor of the month, you got a good review in the press and they all come out for uh-huh. you, and then they all come back the second time, got it. you know, and those were like, especially when you're older, those right. get really like crushed. Like you, those can play with you for, for quite well, some time. Well, I'm assuming time. you're also at the point where it's like, I, I would always, I say that, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever to tour again, like, I did my years, like, get in the van, sleep yeah, on yeah. floors style. Yeah. And I'm, I look at that as a very fond memory, but like, if I were ever to do it again, I you would try keep to, it as a memory. I would do it, I'd want to do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't need to sleep on floors anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, as, as many amazing memories as I got from that period. Right. So I'm all, I'm thinking that by the time you guys are, do, you know, the, the guarantees are bigger and, and the. It was buses the, and hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Particularly overseas. So, and that's always really embarrassing. Show up with a bus and there's like, you know, 37 people there. <laughs> yes. You have a bus, you know, like. That happened, that happened when we played in Atlanta at the Earl with, um, oh God, they were, they were banned on Sub Pop and they were like kind of an electronic tinkery band and I can't remember the name right now, but it was like tour bus parked out yeah. back. Yeah. Maybe 40 people yeah, yeah, at the yeah. show. It's like, guys, come on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I think the band was like two people yeah. too. It was like The band that excess. jumps to the tour bus very quick. Yeah. Uh, so wait, did you also find that you'd come back that the, the, the presence overseas was greater than it was in the states? Much, yeah, much. So how does that affect your your? Didn't bother us too much. I mean, you know, we were just like we were doing festivals, we were doing big stuff over there, and mm-hmm. and you know, here we would do like again like that Bowery kind of like yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't was it a van situation over here as opposed to yeah, a bus we didn't do the bus here. Yeah. No, no. Um, didn't, I don't know. I didn't. It was like as long as you have, I think, somewhere where things are going right. Yeah, way be you know way better than you expected. Yeah, yeah. That you're you're kind of happy. Did you stuff. play Barflies? And for UK, time, yeah, yeah, everyone. Those that? are my I, least like. I feel, that's the main like thing I think of too. when I think of bad UK Worst tour. Gig ever, yeah, is Barflies because yeah. we played three to four Barflies. Yeah, uh, which is it was like a chain of like uh-huh. rock clubs. Okay, uh, I definitely played every one of single those. bar fly was like booked with like bar bands essentially. Like, and it was just like no one there. The kids who were there were like, "Why are you playing here?" Right, right. One of those deals. Yeah. You, we could have booked you at this great show, right? If we could, but bar fly is the one that. And also, here's worst kids. Uh, it might have been shows that you guys played. How did you feel about uh, shows at like Spa? Or plaid, like any of those, like kind of like weirder, for like, the listener payout yeah. shows. Those would yeah. be places in New York. Yeah, they were like, like essentially like bottle service clubs that, yeah. for a brief period, yeah, like partly because Vice would have like some say with some of the shows, but sometimes they were just kind of independent a little bit. Circa, this is like circa like oh three oh four. Yeah, and though. there was a period where you yeah. do that cycle of like these bigger payout, but like no one was there for you. Yeah. At least for us is how I always looked yeah. at them. And I, I always I felt like they were a bummer. I don't know if we did any of those. I mean, which was, Plaid was where? Plaid was Spa. Yeah. And it I became go, Plaid. Because okay. I think we played there both Spa and Plaid. Yeah. I know we did one with Ted Leo. Oh yeah? Uh, okay. And that might have been when it became, no, it was still Spa. Spa featured heavily in Made, the movie Made. Oh, yeah. 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 I used to go to Spa quite a yeah. bit, actually. Uh, well, but I just hated playing those shows. Like, those are the shows that started to break me, at least. Yeah, like, we didn't play them. That we sounds like play. a take the money and run kind of. Those were, and that's yeah. what they were fine, but it felt weird. It just at a certain point, there was a fair amount I, of them, at least. And I think part of it is because we were associated with Vice and just there were those, it's kind yeah. of Vice parties. Yeah, yeah. But just so many people who were, you were just the music. But you were I, just the background. I saw Outhut at Spa, I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I was at that show. Yeah. I was at that show too. Yeah. But I think you hit on an interesting point. Maybe you could speak to this. At least when Oxford Collapse toured in the UK and Europe, I mean, there was ver- there was less consideration for putting together an appropriate bill yeah, that right, kind of made sense. Right. And you'd be playing with like 
a Radiohead cover band. Yeah. And it, like it'd be yeah. totally incongruous and like wouldn't yeah. wouldn't work at all. The Suffragettes. We played with a <laughs> with a teen rock group who were trying to get signed to a major label. We right. did like four shows yeah. and stayed at their weird mansion. Right, right, right. <laughs> Justin was very out of place. <laughs> old man Cherno was very old man Cherno hanging yeah. out with a bunch of seventeen year old girls. You should go back and listen to the Justin Cherno episode yes. if you're unfamiliar <laughs> with him. Um, so. So and you and you, I remember you guys got some like commercial a lot of co- like commercial placements and yeah. so it, it, it I'm assuming it kind of became a viable thing for a few. We years. We lived off it for a while, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and w- which was nice. Um, but yeah, we it was that time when you know it's like I mean I feel like I went when we made Gotham with with the DFA. I was like we went over to the studio before we were gonna make it and we we're like you know discussing what we were trying to do and and they played. Uh, they played me. They're like, "Oh, we're, this is something we're working on," and they played me House of Jealous Lovers, mm-hmm. and like, I was like, I knew that I was like, this is going to change like the way people dress, right? Like, and I remember like three years later being in H and M, and it was everything was like they're playing all post punk, and everything mm-hmm. was like you know tight black pants that you wear in the eighties and, and stripes, yeah. and and it like literally like it had impact that. That's what I'm saying. I think people like kind of shrug it off, but I think the impact of it was more significant than it's still going on. Like even yeah. the my son listens to like pop radio and it's like Calvin Harris and things like I could hear sure. that stuff in that, uh-huh. like, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. And it, it wasn't just like some weird little thing that it, no. it's, we, we yeah. look at it like that. Yeah. It, it, it's because it, we're living a rip- in it. Yeah, yeah, well, you, I mean, yeah. that, and that speaks to a lot of like hardcore and punk bands yeah. that eventually became distilled and became a whole, the whole kind of mall yeah. punk movement, yeah. which essentially became what hair metal was in the eighties yep. to like Without kids into rock music. Exactly. Now. So exactly. like you got to, if you're in high school now, there's no like you're jock, you're like into punk. It's like, Everybody is, you know, like some like emo loser, quote unquote. Like, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to, we live in utopia. Utopia. Do you remember Utopia in uh, in Hicksville, which was the like head shop slash place to get band shirts (laughs) and records (laughs) for many years when I was when I was a young youngster. Yeah. Uh, So Ah, memories. Yeah. That speaking of speaking of fond memories. So Radio Four ended when? Well, it was kind of we got. I mean, we were. We took a break when I had a, my son Hudson, and then we tried to get it going again. And uh, but a van accident, like it just started to be this thing where it was like it became clear that someone was telling us, yeah. like, it's done, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you're done, and, uh, like yeah. And, and it was like, um, I started to you know try and figure out other ways of being involved in music and making money and mm-hmm. without being on the road because I, I was very much like. You know, the, the kind of t- the Tom York of the, you know, yeah. miserable on the road yeah. and like the little guy that was always mad, you know, I felt <laughs> like at the end there. And, you know, I, I, I just like wasn't enjoying myself, right. you know, at, at, in that. And those guys loved it because like there was a certain like they were, they weren't married. They didn't, have, you know, I was like kind of being pulled in different directions. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, let's party. Let's, it didn't matter what was going on. Right. You know, they just wanted to make music and have yeah. fun. And I was a little past that. I don't even really think of music so much as fun. Like, it seems like even when I'm making a record or something, it's like people are like, yeah, are you having a good time? I'm like, that's not really important. Like to <laughs> yeah. me, I don't, I don't know why I do it. Like, yeah. it's like such a, you know how writers hate to write? Sure. Like, yeah. I hate writing, but uh, you know, they're writing. You have so, to do it. Yeah. Got, yeah. Like I really can't say like, I'm having a good time, right. you know, making this yeah. record. It, it's kind of like hard. And, yeah. uh, but for some reason I, you know, so I, and that's it. something I've actually realized recently. Like it's, it's you feel like the same way. Yeah. I'm trying to like almost re like, uh, rewire my brain because I think I, I have to approach everything like that of just like, oh, I've got to just not be having fun doing yeah, it. Cause yeah. if I'm not having, if I'm having fun, I'm not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Yeah. yeah and that's taking how I, it, seriously enough. Yeah. You know? And yeah. like playing is yeah. that, that's how like, you know, going back when we were talking about like watching people, it didn't feel like they were so into it. Like that would frustrate me because yeah. I would like, even if we were playing like a lighter song or song that wasn't as heavy, like in my brain, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to like do the whole, like, this is the last show. Well, I'm yeah, gonna play. I'm going to play I can't that way. be in a band in like a casual manner. Yeah, like, right. Like, oh, you should just play on the weekend. I'm like, I can't be in a band that plays yeah. on the weekends. Right. The hobby in a band. band. Exactly. I'm in a band. <laughs> right. You know, when I'm playing weekend, I'm yeah, playing right. every day. Yeah. You know? And as a bass player, I'm not sitting in the back, like in the pocket, just like, <laughs> hey man, I'm just fucking riding this groove out. Right. And then right. that's always compounded by when you meet someone who kind of doesn't know where you come from like ah oh, so you play covers or originals yeah right i played one cover <laughs> when i was in high school i have this great when uh my again my uncle i went out to fire island and uh 
a friend of his, this is like two, two years ago, three years ago, 2009, mm-hmm. but, uh, four years ago. <laughs> I went out to Fire Island and his friend invited me. He's like, I'm having a little dinner party tonight. You should come by. It was my uncle's friend. My uncle wasn't there. So and these guys are, you know, 60, 50, 60. So I go there and it's me, him, his wife, two other people and Lee Ronaldo. Oh, and I'm like, why is Lee Ronaldo here? You know, and, and we're in this room like this and the guy and they, everybody's talking. We're like introducing ourselves to each other and. And the guy next to Lee Ronaldo has obviously never met him. Uh-huh. So he's like, so you're in a band? And he's like, yeah, I'm in a band. And he's like, oh, what's your band called? He's like, Sonic Youth. And he's like, what are you guys about? Like, what, what, what do you guys do? <laughs> and I had to listen to Lee Ronaldo explain right. the entire history right. of Sonic Youth. And I was like, this is so incredible. <laughs> right. I'm texting Rizzo. I'm like, you're not going to believe it. He's like, well, in 1979, you know, and he goes to Glenn Branca and the yeah. whole, I was like, you so can't you pay, no wave. Yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> that, you know, cop I would pay a hundred dollars for it. Like wow. I, would pay, I would come to this. You yeah. Know, if this was like a, a, a talk with Lee Ronaldo. Yeah, a talk with Lee Ronaldo. Yeah. And he was so being so nice and he was giving, and the guy would be like, so do you guys like, do you t- tour? And he's like, he would explain the sonic, you know, where they play and where they've been in Russia and festivals mm-hmm. and what they're, you know, it's just like weird that like, People, yeah, even at that level, yeah, they, yeah. Someone's like, "Do you play covers or originals?" Yeah. You know, yeah. When you're in I, Sonic Youth, a few years ago, I saw Lee Ronaldo on the Long Island Railroad. Yes, clearly He's... going out to visit his mother. It was Mother's Day. I was <laughs> yeah. going out to visit my <laughs> mom. He was going out to visit his mom, yeah. and it was on on the Huntington Line. So, right. I, I, you know, you I, I don't want to disclose where he lives. I don't think other knowing glance and said, "I hear your brother." No, I went up to him, like, See, you, "You went up to him too." No, no, no. You don't I anyone don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, briefly, if you could kind of touch on, so you got into like music supervision and composing and things like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, this is yeah. what's the like? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, what, what, <laughs> panic, you know, panic at yeah. the end of the bay. Like, what am I going to do? I have a kid coming, right. and uh, I met this a, a guy who was like doing a lot of commercial work and stuff, and. Um, he was like, oh, do you want to help me, you know, make music or find guys to to do commercials? And I was like, yeah, I could, you know, I, I'd use some money and I kind of started doing that. I wasn't super crazy about it. And uh, I went to Prospect Park one day with my son and, and my wife and I ran into this guy who was a, a screenwriter. He wrote he wrote the movie Basketball Diaries, which was mm-hmm. based on the gym, you know, and, and uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio yes. was in. He wrote that movie and... Uh, he was a big Radio 4 fan. He used to come in the store all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we hadn't seen each other in like... For the listener, you owned a owned record a store. store. Yeah, we kind of did. We had not mentioned else. that. Yeah. Um, which was... <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Um, but he was like... I went over to him. I hadn't seen him in three or four years. And we kind of got reacquainted. And he's like, I'm making a movie. And I was like, I'm sure you're making... You know, I'm really making a movie. You know? And... Uh, I was like, he's like, I want you to do the, you know, be involved with the music. And I was like, all right, you know, but I figured it. And then two days later, I ran into him on the subway again. Mm-hmm. Someone I hadn't seen in three or four years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, this is weird. I want to give you, read the script, make a CD, tell me what you think of it. So I read the script. I made a CD. I put like, you know, obits and, you know, people mm-hmm. were like that just, and I was like, this is what I think the lead character would listen to. And he mm-hmm. like loved it. And it turned out the movie was like a movie movie, you know, it was, it was called Beware the Gonzo. It wasn't a big film, but it had, you know, it was million do- millions of dollars mm-hmm. budget and, and, uh, the stars in it and, and it was coming out and <laughs> it was, it wasn't like a guy trying to make a movie. You <laughs> yeah, know, it actually it like, existed. It, it yeah. existed. Yeah. And the, the, he didn't have a supervisor. And then he was just like, well, do you want to score this too? And I was like, I don't even really know what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, that was my first kind of venture into that. And literally the day, like we were mixing the movie and he got hired on a TV show and he was like leaving the movie and going to this work on this TV show. And he's like, you know, I'm going to mention you to the guy who's the showrunner. And I was like, why? I've never done it. Like, I worked on this one movie that didn't come out. And he's like, oh, don't worry. So he called me up one day and he's like, can you bring a CD of the Beware the Gonzo soundtrack? And it was a setup. He kind of like set me up with the showrunner. Uh-huh. He didn't need a CD. Right. And I sat down with the showrunner who was this guy, Warren Light, who's a uh, Tony Award winning playwright and was ran Law and Order, ran Criminal Intent, uh, in treatment, like tons of big critically acclaimed shows. And uh, he was doing this show called Lights Out. 
started talking about the show. We just went on YouTube and like picked out 50 songs that we thought, you know, every single song we went on YouTube picked out that day ended up in the show and wow. he hired me, you know, and that was like really when I felt like this was a legitimate, like career option yeah. and you know you could be with like really creative interesting and like you know evan laurie was hanging around who mm-hmm. was it was john's brother and yep. also like a well-known composer and you know tom DeCillo, who directed uh living in oblivion and yeah. johnny sweat like movies i was really into he directed a couple of, and i was like this is kind of like being in a band like right. you're hanging out with cool people doing creative yeah, yeah. stuff getting paid and it just went from there and then you know to more recently i've gotten into this like comedy comedy world that i don't know Wow. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, you know, sleepwalk with me. And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm on Marin with Mark Marin. Oh, you're so. scoring that. I just I'm, watched oh, the did, first episode. Right did you get a review? Oh, the second episode. No, it was, they put up the second episode. It's online? Yeah, they did like a pre, they've been doing that with shows lately. Oh, like where okay. they just put up second episode of the whole season as a preview full episode. Right, right, right. Ah, well, yeah. That, I wrote the theme song for that. And oh, cool. I was wow. A supervisor on it. Yeah. Nice. But you yeah. didn't write down, 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 the, the podcast. The WT. Oh, no, 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 no. Because no. <laughs> if you wrote that, we, <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so yeah, so briefly also, so you own this record store, yeah. kind of a vintage thing for, for a long time in Park Slope. Yeah. Something else records. Yeah. And that was while you were in Radio 4. Yeah, that became like the clubhouse of kind of like all the band, you know, a lot of band members, you know, our band, other bands would hang out there and listen to music and kind of like, that was, that was a really great place to just like listen to music and get turned on. You know, music was coming in, you would hear new things and I just... I loved it. I remember buying uh, the, my copy of Black Sabbath Born Again, <laughs> arguably one of their worst records yeah. ever, $3. Oh, um, <laughs> just fulfilling those gaps in the gray areas and sure. uh, yeah. classic rock artist uh, catalogs. Uh, well, what about how involved were you with in like, the, the day-to-day like running a business? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I was in and out because I was always on tour. We had mm-hmm. Nick Forte who was in Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He was, you know him by name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just... Uh, <laughs> The year is what my band played with his black metal bands. He has a metal band, right? Yeah. yeah. Does uh, he have long hair now? I was told. Kind of. Beard, yeah. yeah. He, he hangs out at uh, Record Grouch too. I think he might work there now. Who's is that? Doug's Rec- place. Yeah, Doug's He's place. He's friends with Doug. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Okay. Ham Soaking, yeah. I think is his band's name. What is it called? It's like Ham Soaking. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. like I said earlier, like we're not beholden to any sponsorship or yeah, anything. Right, right. We can talk about the guitar player from Rorschach. That was like, Nick is one of, he was, you know, a, a close friend of mine. And I remember like, that was like that weird thing with Rizzo, like where we were like, felt so removed. Like mm-hmm. Rorschach played ABC No Rio. It was like. Yeah. They hadn't played there in a while. Right. And, the, you know, they call it like, you should come to the show. And me and Rizzo went. And it was like 4,000 degrees. Yep. 700 people flying down there. Go. The smell. Like the worst day at the zoo. Wait, was this the reunion show they did? No, this is, oh, this is 92. Yeah. Oh, you know? the 92. Yeah. I was going to say, they just. I no, I didn't did go to those either. It <laughs> like, I went, this is the one time I went. It yeah. smelled like the zoo if it was 130 degrees and humid and you're hungover. Like, that's what it was like. I'll tell you the ABC best part about ABC Norio. Still what? smells that way. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't been there in like six or seven years and we played or something happened. I was there and I was just like, boo, yep, it's we're back. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that mildew is like potent. And people like. So me and Rizzo went in and we watched like half of, we, we were so confused. We were like, what, how are we friends with these people? We don't musically understand. Everyone smells. Everyone yep. is like, you know, raging and we don't know what they're like. Yeah. We could just like couldn't wrap our heads. Up. And I've always told them like, I really just don't like your band. I don't understand <laughs> like what, what kind of music you're making. You're, Decroitson and COC, like it means yeah. nothing to. But you, meanwhile, right? they put out. Gern uh, Blanson put out, out the first, yeah, yeah. Her, and they're close first friends of mine, and, and I feel like they're much more open minded than I am. Yeah, you know that yeah. that that was. Uh, but yeah, everybody's like, have you, "Did you ever see Rorschach back in the day?" I was like, "You couldn't understand how uninteresting <laughs> I was." Like half a song. Yeah, we gotta get out of here. So, yeah. so Nick Forte, the guitar player of Rorschach, m- minded the store. Yeah, he was in charge of, of the store. Yeah, exactly. a daily basis and. uh he was, yeah, he basically, well, his, he had a great band called Computer Cougar who yep. were like oh, really yeah, kind of yeah. the first of the yeah. post punkers. I remember yeah. seeing I, them at I, Brownies and yeah. they, they were ahead of the curve. They were ahead. They I were saw too them far. at the yeah. Middle yeah. East, maybe with like Lifter Puller and yeah. Yeah. Savi Fav, maybe. Like, what? Because uh, uh, Nick went to school with that. Yeah. Yep. yeah. What, uh, this is real insight. What label put out that Computer Cougar? Seven-ish? I think Gern. Oh, Gern did. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 
There's Look Charles John Hiltz and Nick, you know, okay, and Dave yeah, Malone, right. who was in Radio. I remember going, going, going yeah. "Ooh, the ex Rorschach band is playing." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I went, yeah. "Oh, this oh, is different." <laughs> uh, well, Anthony, to come full circle here, I mean, we've discussed. Uh, you've given us some great stuff here. Yeah, real good uh, grist for the mill, so to speak. <laughs> Question that we ask. <laughs> Question. Start milling it up. What does that mean? What was the? What was the <laughs> yeah, we're all wondering what that means. grist for the mill. You've never heard of? I uh, have it's, heard it's, it, but it's it, not a phrase I use or really know what it means. Well, I just I remember that when my now wife and I went on our first road trip to Lake George when we first started dating, and the car broke down, caught on fire on the way home. Actually, it, made, it exploded. Uh-huh. Uh, we were fine. We ate at this nice, this fancy restaurant in uh, Lake George called the Grist Mill. <laughs> And I just remember it being a unique name. Sure. And then I'm sure I knew the phrase "miss uh, grill for the what I don't know grist for, for the mill." I don't no, even I know. Can't what even it is. say it. Doesn't yeah. even. Matter. Yeah. Regardless, <laughs> question that we ask all of our guests: What do you think of the word "gig"? I hate it. <laughs> yes. I despise it. Yeah. Well, yes. you're from. A, I'm assuming you're from a show background. It was a show. Yeah. It, wasn't, yeah. it was never a gig. Yeah. yeah. My, but my mother's really, my mother has a shirt that says gigs wanted. My mother's a big gigger. She goes to like three, four gigs a week. Oh, really? And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like gigging. You know, if I call her, yeah. Or she'll text me gigging. Is wow. she, what does she go to see? Well, oldies. Oh, bands, okay. You know, like yeah, the yeah. CBS FM 101. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah her, she follows this band called Risky Business, who are like, uh, That's a good name. you know, do kits of the 50s. <laughs> it's, it's actually Tangerine Dream I would performing love that <laughs> fucking concert. What's um, that? If it was just a band covering the Risky Business soundtrack yeah, by yeah, Tangerine yeah. Dream. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. It was no, such a book, no. Guido the Killer Pimp, for two hours. <laughs> right. And love on a real train. Um, so actually, gigs almost, it, it, it's, it, it can be even more negative because yeah. I'm always like, why are you, why are you still gigging? <laughs> so, but when you, when you were playing, you know, would your mom, would you speak to your mom? She'd be like, do you have a gig tonight? Or like, <laughs> no, she would, she knew not to call yeah. them gigs. What I was doing weren't gigs. Yeah. Right. But yeah. She, did, did she ever, gigage? Did she ever see, she says, gigage. Radio She's 4, lots plural. of gigs. Yeah. <laughs> And did she ever see your band's play? Yeah, she used to come in Bowery uh, yeah. quite a bit. She cool. loved it. You know, it was like a comfortable place. For Garden her. variety, not so, not so much. No, no. <laughs> well, my mother went to like Max's Kansas City and oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, she she was cool, but now she's gotten into this like yeah, the, you know, like, yeah, risky the, you know, business. Uh, yeah. Hey, risky little business. Anthony and the Imperials were like yeah, one original yeah. guy oh, yeah, doing yeah. one song. That's fine. <laughs> she's fine with that. Yeah, yeah, love it. Well, yeah. look, you have all of this stuff going on. You got the kids, you got the music projects, you got the memories, you got to get back to Park Slope at some point, so we just want you to get home safe. Okay, thank you. Worst gig 